Too Many Comics, episode 201. Yes, Brooks, we have finally eclipsed the big 200. It took us a while to get there. It took us a while to get over the hump. Because we keep not recording shows. <laughs> uh, we're terrible. Yeah, yeah I, know. I, feel te- I feel bad. We're, we've got to get back on a schedule. Yes. Because I mean, it, it's not as if I'm not reading news and books. We just keep not paying it forward to the community. We keep doing other stuff on the side, and it takes up our time, and we just get tired. Damn. But we did finally talk to David Pepos for a second time and posted nice. that interview. So that's been up for a few days now. Nice uh, guy. David, obviously, we've mentioned many times, Radar Spencer and Locke. Uh, just recently put out Going to the Chapel, uh, which we read and talked to him pretty much exclusively about. And then towards the end, got into some stuff that he's been reading since the last time we talked. And he's good for that. And, and I made mention, I think if you listen to the interview of, um, you know, he shares things that I don't read or haven't heard of. Uh, so it's cool that he's, you know, he's a reader himself, keeps up with, with what's going on and, you know, really loves interesting characters that I don't always partake in. So, you know, take some of his recommendations and uh, go purchase them. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan and the guy couldn't be nicer. Really? Will we have ever have him on for a third time? Probably. <laughs> I think I, I, he's quite bookable and I, I mean that in a good way. And I think that because we have been there from like basically the beginning. Yeah, I think so. Nice yeah, guy. I look forward to that. I threw this story in here, even though it's not really, it's just because it, it pertains to him. But I don't know if you saw this. There's an image book coming out um, called Slow City Blues, which is sort of like very similar to Spencer and Locke. And the cover looks very similar in a certain way. And there's just been some joking going on on Twitter of David asking for, you know, like royalties. Uh, I don't know how serious he's being. And he made mention of like, you know, imitation is the best form of flattery or however that saying goes, uh, trying to pick it up on it. But, uh, so, you know, people are taking to Spencer and Locke and, uh, making their own sort of books. So good for him, I guess. Yeah, sure. And by the way, I, uh, going to the chapel is his new book. I thought that was good. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I did subscribe. I'm subscribing to comicsology. Are you really? Mm -hmm. I feel like it's one of those. And I mean, this in the the nicest possible way, not an expensive. Mm -mm. That's good too. It's not the Marvel, like $5 stuff. Yes, the, the uh, House of X part, which we'll discuss later. Mm-hmm. But also, I feel like ain't no way I'm not reading that stuff. This Love is, it. This is true. Which he loved, Love too. It. He made mention of that as well. Yeah, but anyway. Did you catch that he said uh, Powers of X and not Powers of 10? That's a sucky move. I wanted to call him out on it, but I didn't. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. I was, it's been well publicized, his Powers of 10. And I get – well, okay. First of all, I, I get how you think that. But if you, if you are actually reading the book and you see how the – the story's advanced by way of years forward. That's how you should know it's Powers of Ten. Yes. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry, David Pepos. <laughs> but you are wrong. Feel, I feel like we can't possibly separate uh, his first and last name. It's He's not Dave. He's not David. He's David Pepos. Yes. Peposed. <laughs> anyway. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I propose we move on. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Uh, so I'm shocked you're not, you're not – so – I got my invitation to Disney Plus. I assume you did as well. Uh, I don't know that I ever did. Did it come via email or like what's the yes, it setup? It, it's uh, it's called like the Founders Club. Okay. Well, I, I, don't, I don't think I've, I've ever gotten that. Well, sorry, buddy. I'm looking up the new from down on high. Uh, so I got I got the invite. So early November is when this is going to be a thing, and I don't know what properties are going to be ready to go at that point. I'm sure the things that we're super excited about, like WandaVision and the Hawkeye show, they're not going to be there right away. Right. Nevertheless, it's a good deal. It's like seven dollars a month. 
70 bucks a year, which, you know, you do the math. So I'm, I'm in. Yeah. I'm um, I will upfront pay for the year, even though those shows don't exist quite yet. Cause I imagine at some point I will rewatch some MCU movies, watch some star Wars. Uh, if my niece is ever around, maybe there's like some Pixar stuff that she wants to get into as well. Like, yeah, it's an easy purchase. So, uh, that that's exciting news that that thing is finally happening. I will sign up at some point. At some point. Well, I didn't get those founders email, so I'm sorry. Well, I can forward you something. Okay, I'll go seek it out. Okay, good. Well, I will uh, make it happen. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. And you're welcome. This banter is going to All right, let's uh, let's talk some books. So it's been out a few weeks since we've been talking straight up books. There's been some number ones that we tracked and read. Um, I've got a couple of them listed here. So if, if I'm forgetting any, you know, feel free to call them out. And actually, which I think right off the Right off the top, I am, but we have it included in a read this week. So we did check out Midnight Vista number one. This is a book written by Elliot Ray Hall, who he drew. Um, he was he was the artist of the book with Donny Cates, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, and that would be what was he, he did. Was it Ghost Fleet? No, that's Sean Murphy. Well, either way. He, Damn. Oh, God. <laughs> so it was years ago. Years ago. Uh, but now he's, you know, he's writing some stuff, doing some stuff. He's at Aftershock Comics with Midnight Vista number one. This is the story of um, a child who is um, on Midnight Vista Road with the stepfather, um, then all of a sudden vanish. Uh, they've been assumed missing for the longest time. All of a sudden transports back as his older self and, you know, doesn't really remember much. Uh, is is picked up by you know the local authorities, FBI get involved, and they you know obviously have no clue as to why he's here, where he's been, and he brings it upon them that he was uh, hanging out with some aliens and whatnot. So that's a super high level pitch of what's going on here. Someone goes missing, all of a sudden comes back. Um, interesting, interesting take of a of a story. I mean, I think there's some world building that that could occur here. Obviously, if you're introducing characters like aliens that that could potentially be, you know, consuming, consuming his body now, um, or sending him back for some specific reason. There's, there's a lot to get to. Um, I mean, I thought it was pretty cool. I thought the art art was decent. Uh, again, much like a, much like a Spencer unlock. Like I, I don't remember what the price was, but it's not like a, wasn't a huge lift. I feel like it's a story that I could easily pick up on the side and, and be reading. Um, and that's without, that's taking out the fact of always wanting to support the people that do come on the show. Um, so I'd be happy to haven't subscribed yet, but continue to keep this or keep this around. Uh, one of those things when I when I see it come out during the week, maybe just hit buy now, and uh, and keep reading to uh, to support Elliot. I kind of dug I, it. I have to correct myself. I'm sorry. Uh, Ghost Fleet was uh, Elliot Ray Hall. Okay. Danny Cates, uh, not Elliot, Elliot Ray Hall. Um, and I was thinking of Tokyo Ghost, which is Rick Remender, yes. drawn by Sean Murphy. There's gotcha. a lot going on in this whole thing. And the, and the book that we were trying to think of was um, The Paybacks. Yes. This is this. So, yeah, I mean, I liked it. I mean, I, also, he's a nice guy. And he, he did actually say he would come back on the show to discuss the book. And I dropped that ball so hard. Oh, way to go. You dropped enough balls in your life <laughs> as well. Okay. So, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm brave enough to correct myself on air. Uh, tell your brother I said so. But, um, yeah. I mean, I, I could see myself picking more more of these up because it's just like it's easy to get through, and I, even like as stupid as it sounds, having like a personal connection to the creator of the book is also kind of fun for me. I agree. If I could make this about myself, I agree. 
I'm with you. Uh, we have a Berserker Unbound. This is Jeff Lemire. Yes. Okay, and this involves like sort of a prehistoric time, and there's a there's a uh, a protagonist who's doing his thing, swatting away monsters and villains and what have you, and then he ends up in the present day. That's the book. I wasn't feeling this. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, it it didn't have like a Lemire vibe to me. Well, they can't all be, you know, Descender. Yeah, I mean, not everyone's hitting home runs every time, but even still, like, I feel like even like all the books I've read of his, whether or not they've been on the level of Descender or something that I kind of just read, uh, you know, one of his stories that he, he pushes out, he's got all those things that all like look the same, especially those ones that he draws as well. It, like, you get the sense of him. I, I feel like this was almost, and I don't know the origins of this, so forgive me of not knowing like the character and if it's something he created or, um, you know, it, it seems like something that he was just like handed. It was almost as if, hey, we've got this character. Would you mind writing a story for it? And he was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but, 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 does he, but does he have the time for this? That's what I mean. Like, I, yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, I saw the Lemire name, willing to give it a shot, and, uh, you know, I could uh, swing a miss on this one. Okay. Well, I would say, Whoa. yeah. But go read his, his, all his other stuff. Mostly yeah, good. Definitely. Yeah, not uh, some of the stuff in Canada. Yeah, those are all very similar. Yeah, when did Sweet Tooth TV show come? I don't know, and that I want to say is a it is contrary to what I said, a Canadian thing, but it was not nearly as depressing as as other things that were just 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 draining. Yes, draining, draining. Mister Jeffert. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so for books that came out today that we will read for the next show, uh, we're looking at Strike Force number one out of Marvel. This is written by Teeny Howard. Artist Herman Peralta and cover artist Andrew Sorrentino. This is No Compromise, No Mercy, all new ongoing series. From the Dark Minds of Rising Stars, Dini Howard and Herman Peralta comes a tale of the underside of the Marvel Universe. A new threat is secretly taken over the planet, and the more people who know about it, the more powerful the threat becomes. Blade dealt with this threat once before and hoped to never have to again. He can't bring the Avengers in on this, not just for their own safety, but for the safety of everyone on Earth. So he must recruit a team of heroes accustomed to darkness, a strike force. Blade, Angela, Spider-Woman, Wiccan, the Winter Soldier, Monica Rambeau, and Damon Hellstrom join forces to fight the fights that no other Marvel team can take on. Rated T+. I like this. Um, it's a ragtag team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I like the cover, and I don't know what the interior artists, how they do their thing. But uh, the one reason I'm into this is because, so we're going to say, how do you pronounce her name? Teeny? Tiny? Teeny. <laughs> um, teeny tiny um, Howard. She, <laughs> she is doing the Excalibur book that drops in October, which is an ex, a Salak led book. Although Salak is now Captain Britain, mm-hmm. and it's We've a whole. I'm not, yes. I'm not going to. I'm not going to go through all this. So I'm curious what to see what her writing style is like. So cool. Okay, okay cool. A little precursor. All right. All right. So let's kick off some book talking of non number one type stuff with the House of X powers of ten. So. I've got a little story in here of Marvel's House of X subtly teases an Avengers versus X-Men sequel. I, the last time we talked, I was a few issues behind. I've gone through and, and read those. Uh, I believe I'm up to date and I need the help of someone who actually like fully knows what's going on to like explain to me what I'm reading. So who should we patch in? <laughs> <laughs> it's you, buddy. I mean, so what do you want to know? Um, I feel like, so that one issue I told you about, I was able to follow along uh, like the issue number two that, you know, showed the different timelines, but I feel like that was sort of like a self-contained issue. Yeah, whereas these much. other ones that are like building upon and building upon, 
and they break out into, you know, the cool looking pages that sort of like describe what's going on. And, uh, like I just get lost. I feel like there's, I, 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 I feel like it's cool. I like what I'm reading. It looks great. I can tell there's an awesome story here and I'm only getting like surface level stuff. It's so, like, I don't understand right, what this means to like the X-Men as a whole. I mean, and... so, I, mean I think that there is, and I consider myself to be a solid B player of X-Men, uh, you know, mythology and anthology and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I think even people in my spot are also having to be like, where are we going with this? Because, you know, uh, did you read the most recent issue where they sort of explained how how uh, death in comics is not necessarily permanent? Yes. Okay, so that's that's a major reveal where we're learning more how these minor characters that some who were invented by Brian Michael Bendis a couple of years ago are coming being, uh, being being reintroduced into the story and how their powers are sort of fueling what's really going on here. And when we see characters, you know, that we thought were dead or, or back on the scene, how that happened and also building towards the idea that the mutants and, and, and again, we have the power, the house of X and powers of 10, and how those two books are working together. Obviously, you know, um, House of X is establishing in our quote unquote timeline how the X Men have created their own colony and their own government and, 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 and how they're sustaining themselves. And as we flash forward all these different time periods, how the future is working against that whole, you know, takeover by way of, you know, just evolution. And at that super high level, and if you have specific questions, I'll try to field them. But I think you know, you and I both are going to have to sort of make through books six and six, twelve, mm-hmm. <laughs> and to to really get a feel for you know how they have positioned the X Men books into the next wave of books that have already been announced. Um, you know, obviously, the flagship X Men book. We already talked about Excalibur. There's a lot that's being you know sort of ex- explained here. There's a, there's a lot going on. I I, I got to applaud and also like be leery of Jonathan Hickman because he's such a smart storyteller. And if you want to talk about world building, this guy is next level. The way that you know they, they have these pages in these books that take a break from the panel by panel, as it mm-hmm. were, to lay out background this is what this means and this is how these things are laid out and this is what this thing means for you know this society and you have to be like okay and then even to me that's like this is this is a this is next level nail-biting uh you know following an x-men book that i've not experienced since x-men were (laughs) dismissed into fox so i don't know what to say i really don't but I, i love it and it is the first thing i read whenever uh you know the books come live on wednesday morning I feel like it's going to be – so it's been it, super helpful to have this come out weekly. Uh, if this were like a monthly book, I definitely would be lost. Um, but for someone like myself, to start to, – now that I'm caught up, to tag along weekly, and then when it's done, I think before I read that last issue, I'll probably go back and just like binge all of them before reading the last issue. I feel like it's going to be like a good read to just take it all in on one sitting where you're just like not stopping to fully grasp like – everything that's happening and the whole story that was put together and to have everything fresh in your mind. So I'm looking forward to that. But I mean, you can't deny that it's well drawn Yeah, and the dialogue is smart. Yeah, definitely. So, so there you go. Okay. Uh, some other things that I've gotten to, so I have, I did subscribe to, um, Matt fractions who shot Jimmy Olsen, uh, 12 issue maxi series been following along with that. This is Steve Lieber drawing, uh, fractions, obviously very good. I remember, you know, I think the first time that we talked about this, I mentioned how this also escapes from the standard panel by panel from times 
uh, breaks these like one thing, one issue out into like these mini stories and plays them up sort of like in an old school way with these teaser graphics that describe what's about to happen and introduce new characters. Uh, it's a fun, it's a fun read. Um, Fraction, it's cool to see Fraction back with uh, a character that's not something creator owned of his. And, you know, we've discussed many times whether it's Fraction or Tom King. Um, you know, I'm a sucker for these like not so big characters, you know, getting interesting twists from good writers. So I'm still on board with this. It's been fun thus far. I'm curious. Maybe when it's like collected, I do it, do it, do it, do it. Yep. I think you should do it. Uh, what else do we have in there? So once in future, number one, uh, this was the new book from Karen Gillen and who was drawing it? I don't remember. Uh, Dan Mora just pulled it up. Um, so I, I had to go back through and look at like the comic book roundup reviews of the first issue. So this came out on August 14th. Uh, I think I remember reading it like that week. So I'm kind of like, and I didn't read number two. Uh, so I had to refresh my memory as to like what it was because there are too many comics. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Karen is obviously the, was the writer of Wicked Divine, uh, the Young Avenger stuff. I uh, was Jamie McKelvey that he did. Um, you know, they're breaking out separately from working together. It looks like taking a little break. Uh, this was when a group of nationalists use an ancient artifact to bring a villain from Arthurian myth back from the dead to gain power. Ex-monster hunter Bridget McGuire escapes her retirement home and pulls her unsuspecting grandson Duncan, a museum curator, into a world of magic and mysticism to defeat a legendary threat. So, obviously, major world building there. Uh, crazy stuff going on. I think Kieran's very good at this. Yeah. And, and this breaks out. Um, it's From being a fan of the two of them working together as often... I remember reading this and thinking like, it's a little bit of a breath of fresh air. As much as I love the young Avengers book and, you know, the art of wicked divine, uh, to see Karen writing something that's not drawn by Jamie and then, you know, vice versa when, you know, Jamie has a book coming out soon as well. Uh, just to, you know, take in a Karen story drawn by someone else, get a different feel, uh, a whole different vibe. I think this is, I can't remember if it's going to be ongoing or not. Um, but might be like a trade type book for me. I don't know. There's too many books to, to subscribe to. Um, but I remember it being very good. It's got great reviews. Uh, Karen's awesome. Uh, you know, something I'll keep an eye on. Okay. Did you read white trees? Number one. I did not. I uh, said, so this is uh, chip, uh, chip Zdarsky drawn by Chris Anka. How could this go wrong? Yeah. So it's like a fantasy book. Um, and it involves like civil warring and then people's, I'm really going to distill this down. Uh, there's, you know, fantasy elements, but people's children go missing, and and we're talking like adult children in some cases. But to me, it was just so strange. Like the the, the tone read way too familiar, as if we were like in modern times, but like the hobbits doing it. <laughs> that <laughs> that's what it was like, and I, and there were some weird sexual elements, and I'm nobody's prude, but I'm still like, what is going on in this book? It was a real chore to get through it, and I have not seen how it has been reviewed, uh, you know, in in the comic book roundups or elsewhere. Um, I I expected, I ex- I'm not mad. I'm just is what I'm trying mm. to say. <laughs> it just it just I, you expect more when you hear Chip Zdarsky and Chris Anka. We're we're fans of both of them, and I just. I just wasn't feeling this book at all. Um, the White Trees. It had a 9.1 rating on number one and 9.6 on issue two. Yeah, well, that's who the who fuck am I then? Yeah. So you know, there's definitely books that are like critical. Polarizing. You know, yeah, you know, the critics love them, and they're not like a super popular type thing. But uh, it's an oversized two issue miniseries. So if you want to just finish it off, you know, go for it. Nope. Okay. 
<laughs> but it looks good. Yeah, it looks great. All right. Well, anything else that you got through that you want to uh, mention? I did not, and I don't. Okay. Well, I know uh, today being, you know, it sucks when we record on a Wednesday, but uh, Curse of the White Knight 3 came out today. Uh, so mm-hmm. we'll have to chat next week. Look forward to that. Uh, and that leads into a little bit. So we've got, you know, we had the the final Walking Phoenix Joker trailer. Uh, the movie comes out in just a few weeks. Yep. And there's all kinds of controversies coming out about it. So there's the, the theater. It was, Go for it. It's, it's, probably, it's, it's very violent. Yeah, I mean, as you would expect. Um, And then, you know, the theater where the shooting was in Aurora, Colorado, isn't going to play it. Obviously, that's, you know, they had the the kid that dresses a Joker and came in and did the whole thing and blah, blah, blah. Um, You know, those people have put out a a statement and then it's forced Warner Brothers to put out a statement. And, you know, this back and forth of of this... um, just seems like nonsense to me. I mean, I I understand there was a, a mass shooting years ago of someone. I get, I guess I can't remember if he was officially inspired by the Joker um, or just kind of just dressed up like that. Like there's plenty of like the John Wick movies are super violent. The, yeah, the Fast and the Furious whole, movies are super violent. Uh, or there's yeah, lots of movies I, I, where people are dying and doing stuff. I, but I gotta say, I, I gotta say, I feel what you're saying, but I mean, I've seen the John Wick movies and they are violent for sure, but they are so comically violent. It was just like, I feel like this one's going to be violent in a way that is going to feel gritty and scary. Because I think they're really planting a foot in, this is not a comedy or, or meant to be seen as comical. And again, I'm not saying that like it's art, it's not real life. And I know people can be influenced in certain ways, you know, it, it, the whole like art imitating life, imitating art, the whole thing. I, I, except I'm, I'm not psycho. So I, I actually want to see this movie and I, I will do, I will do nothing afterwards to replicate what I see on, on the screens. But on some level I can kind of, I can, I can understand how there is a, a concern or a, a, a particular feeling that people are getting about this because it is, it appears to be, am I making any sense here? Yeah, but I, I mean, I get that, but I just feel like, and off the top of my head, I can't think of anything. I feel like, you know, what you're saying is it's it's a villain in a sense of por- being portrayed as um, this could easily be someone go through the same sort of mental breakdown and become like a Joker type person in real life that just goes around and which which obviously is what they're parlaying into the the mass shooting that had happened before. Um, but I feel I feel like off the top of my head, I can't come up with with other stuff, but there have been other TV shows and movies of characters in a similar vein that don't have to put out like statements about it or like not be shown at a theater. And um, just, I don't know, just like the whole, that they have to like issue this statement of, we have a character in a movie coming out and Hey, it's, you know, a, a flick that is going to be violent of it. Like, I, I just don't, I don't see the necessity of, if there hadn't been a shooting before, we wouldn't have this like statement coming out. Well, that's, you make a good point. There's been a lot of mass shootings happening. It's, you know, I, I'm not trying to be some bleeding heart here. Again, and I, I also, that's be a flip-flopper, totally get what you're saying. But th- these are these are crazy times that we're living in. Yeah. Well, then, should we start seeing statements on, like, all other TV shows that are similar like this and movies? No. We okay. get tiresome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, people I feel like whether or not there's a statement, whether or not there's a Joker movie, there's crazy people that 
are going to kill people. I mean, it happens all the time and it sucks really bad. And hopefully, you know, in a way, you know, even in the statement, Warner Brothers talks about donating a lot to gun violence and whatnot. Hopefully things like this that can make things like mental health problems and stuff a, a bigger talking point or, you know, see it reflected in a character, a fictional character, instead of waiting for like the next mass shooting to diagnose an actual real person. Uh, you know, maybe it'll have that some sort of effect in the future too. That'd be much better than this. Yep. Anyways, moving on. Uh, Jonah Hill rumored to be joining the Batman. He's got to be Joe, uh, Penguin, right? Yeah, that's what the rumors are saying. So we're looking at Jonah Hill as the Penguin. We got Robert Pattinson as Batman. Um, no one quite knows what storyline they're going to be doing. I've seen a lot of things going back and forth as to what they're thinking about. Um, casting still underway. The film is scheduled to be released on June 25th, 2021. Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, I, my only observation would be that, and this is similar to what we've been experiencing on the show, where we have things like The Curse of the White Knights, Deceased, uh, uh, Last Night on Earth, where it's like, okay, so we've got Suicide Squad, we've got the Batman movie, we have Pink, uh, Pink uh, The Joker, and they're all not related to each other. And it's like, guys, get it together. They're they, not going they, to. They, they make make a make a make a universe where this is all going to collide and be like, you know, franchisable. But anyway, that's 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 been their issue from the start. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. Like they don't want to do the universe with like you know they're switching out Batman. I don't know if Henry Cable is going to be doing Superman anymore. But yet, like you know, Aquaman was successful. Shazam was successful. They're making another Wonder Woman who did exist in that universe that they had made. So it's all wonky. Yeah, that's been their issue all along. Yeah, well, good luck to them. Okay. Um, skipping over this Mark Miller Netflix Image Comics thing for Christmas. I assume we'll talk about that at a future time. Mark Miller's got a new book coming out from Image or from Netflix and Image around Christmas time. Uh, we'll check it then. Uh, the Russo <laughs> brothers seem to be angling to direct Marvel's Fantastic Four. Let, let them do it. Um, do you do you foresee them? Like, do you? How much of this do you think is like them talking versus the odds of like them actually? coming back and doing something so they so they did winter soldier um they did civil war they did infinity war and endgame so they've done four movies um uh, i feel like the next phase of people uh like they they're hoping to finally to, to latch on to someone who's like their next it team and i don't know how how willing they would be to just like you know just the russo brothers are the de facto do the big stuff versus trying to branch out i mean they make some good shit obviously they're very good at it yes this is true uh, if anybody can do it, because, you know, Fantastic Four have had a couple uh, at-bats here, and they were not well-received. So, I mean, I, I, hate to, I hate to sound like a sellout, but, like, for example, when J.J. Um, Abrams was announced as a Star Wars director, and people were like, eh, that's all, that's, I'm like, no, he makes good movies. So, in this case, if they want to u- utilize these guys to do something with the, with the Fantastic Four, I feel fairly certain that finally the, the code will be cracked and we can all take a take a take a big sigh of relief so if you want to hear their actual so joe russo said he grew up on josh burns x-men run ben Grimm was a favorite character growing up the thing fantastic four is now in the marvel fold there's a lot silver surfers amazing character going really big and cosmic would be a lot of fun so there's a lot of things that could attract us then he says i think after you go on the journey that we went on because there's a comprehensive narrative and overarching story from blah 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 the movies we just mentioned I think that scale of ambition and storytelling is a bit is a bug that's bit that's bit us, and we're compelled to tell more stories on that scale with that sort of years long ambition to them. So if they, if they do want to do that kind of stuff, uh, the MCU is like the only place going at the current time that's really doing that. Um, they mentioned working with the team of Kevin Feige has been great; they're like family. 
So I'm sure we'll find something that we can do together soon. So I don't know. I, I think I'd probably put the odds at like 50-50 right now. 60-40. Okay. Of them coming back? Yeah. Okay. Let's make some 60. more money, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're starving. Yeah, you know what? It's probably – all it takes is the Rooster Brothers saying that they're in and Marvel's probably like, yeah, cool. Yeah, we got to make it. We gotta Let's make, make it. another billion. Yeah. All right. Well, anyways, we are uh, somewhat caught up. We've got today's books to read. We'll check out Strike Force. Can't wait to read. Can't wait to read Curse of uh, White Knight, and uh, we'll talk uh, again very soon. I can't wait to weed too. Too many comics.com. Hit us up. <laughs> I've been reading too many comics.